0: Joe Biden has certified enough electoral votes to win the 2020 election. The left hypocrisy is at a higher rate than ever before, and Americans are running for the echo chambers. I'm Levi Erickson, and this is the Levi Erickson Show. Alrighty, let's get into the news. I'm sorry that we've been gone for two weeks, but it was Thanksgiving break, and me and my dad went and explored this God's great country, and it was wonderful, but a lot has happened in the news, and we want to get into that right away, but first, uh, I just wanted to shout out to Jim Minery, who's a good friend of mine who had me on his show, Family Matters. It was a good discussion with him, and you can go and check that out on Buzz Sprouts, and I believe his his show is, is airing on Apple Podcasts as well, but I really appreciated him having me on. But without further ado, we have a lot of news to get to today. So, the media has completely refused to cover any voter fraud at all. They're pretending as if it doesn't exist, which is absurd. There, in any election at all, ever, I've said this a million times, I'm going to say it again, in any election at all, you're going to have some level of voter fraud. It might not be a lot, it might be a little, just a little bit, but there's going to be some voter fraud. So this imaginary game where there's absolutely none is what makes the right so much more skeptical. If the media was actually able to just address the voter fraud that does exist and cover it fairly, then the right might be, okay, well, at least they're covering it fairly. We might disagree on uh, on the volume of the voter fraud. But when you just outright lie and say there's absolutely no voter fraud, it's the most perfect election in American history, that's not going to gain any trust from anyone else on the right and so that's going to that's that's caused a lot of issues but there is reason that the the, the current state of the conver- the political conversation on voter fraud has been completely po- polarized where the right is is suggesting that there's enough election fraud to overturn the election and the left is suggesting that there's none at all when in reality right now from what we see and there is election fraud okay there's election fraud but there is not enough currently To overturn any of the election results. And that's really, really important for people on the right to understand. And it's important for the people on the left to understand that just saying that that there's no voter fraud and voter fraud doesn't exist doesn't help anything. Now, I think Attorney General Barr has handled this the most fair. Every allegation of voter fraud that's come in, he has done his job and made sure that it was looked into. One of the allegations that was pretty massive was the allegation that Dominion voting systems were corrupted and actually resulted in many of the uh, election results currently. And vote and uh, Attorney Barr has said that he looked into it and that there wasn't enough evidence there, so he dismissed it. And now he's saying, he came out early last week, or, or, or late last week, suggesting that currently there is not enough uh, voter fraud to overturn the current election results so that's important to note that even attorney general barr who is not he is not a anti-trump guy he is a trump guy he's he's had his back throughout his entire uh time in office he's been a really 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 loyal friend of trump's but even he has suggested that there is not enough voter fraud to overturn the election it's really important for people on the right to understand that Now, one of the most dangerous things that's happened and not just now, but in the last decade really, but certainly now, is that the right and the left are really running for their echo chambers, and that's really dangerous. I mean, it happened before, and it's happened, and it will happen progressively worse, but one of the great things that actually came out of the Internet was that people were allowed to find one platform where we could all discuss ideas. The right and the left will get on Twitter, and they'll debate. Sometimes it's ugly, sometimes it's beautiful. There's a lot of good discussions that happen on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram all of these different platforms have been a really good place for people from all these different political backgrounds to come together and discuss. But now, with all these censorship uh, things happening with Facebook and Twitter, you have what uh, has become all of these conservative websites, such as Parler, which is a conservative substitute to Twitter. And basically what's happening is conservatives conservatives, and those on the right are getting sick of being censored on Twitter. So they're going to Parler. And on Parler, now it's just completely conservative talk and it's ironic because parlor is even it's so polarized that even the if you look at the logos they even look polarized i mean twitter's blue and the democrat platform the parlor's red and the the republican platform and it, that's really sad to see because now we're not going to have any place where people can come together and have dialogue and actually have some sort of uniformity and that's really dangerous i mean we have we've we've lost sports now or we can't actually unify over sports even sports is political you have your social media platforms, which are now becoming political. You have your news sites, which are all political. There's very few sites anymore that, are, that both people feel comfortable reading and watching where you can actually be like, oh, yeah, he's addressing my point fairly. And, oh, yeah, he, she's addressing my point fairly. That kind of universe really doesn't exist anymore in America, and it's really dangerous. And I, I totally see that, that with the way Hollywood is going and the way uh, different corporations are going, that we're really going to see that there's going to be Republican businesses and left-leaning businesses, and it's going to be disastrous because our country is going to lose more, less, and it's going to lose lose more and more and more of its uniformity, and we're not going to have anything that brings us together anymore, and that's really, really sad to see. Now, uh, one of the things that came out uh, came out of last week, early early this week, actually, was that Biden now has enough certified votes to win the election. So what does that mean? So basically, he was until now. Biden was regarded as the projected winner. Basically, you have different sites and different uh, organizations that project who's going to win based on the vote counts that are currently available, but they're not legally certified until each state counts up each one of their counties and ha- and goes through the legal process of certify- certifying their elections. So now after Arizona and California both certified their elections officially, Joe Biden now has enough electoral votes to win. Now, that doesn't mean he's, he's, he's the president-elect yet. That doesn't happen until he is, until the electoral college actually holds a vote. But once that happens, he will be the president-elect and then he will presumably become the inaugurated president. And that's important for conservatives to note because we don't want to, uh, we don't want to hold on to the election for too long. It's, we want to make sure that all the voter fraud is accounted for. We want to look into it. We want to investigate it. But then at a certain point we have to go, okay, Biden won he's the president, what's next? Move on to the next thing. Um, One of the things that is hopeful to look for for uh, big Trump supporters is that Trump is actually most likely the the most likely candidate to run in 2024. I don't think that Donald Trump has anyone who can really beat him in a primary right now. Uh, There isn't enough, there isn't another Republican candidate who has enough support from the right that would actually allow him to win in a primary. So we might see a Biden Trump twenty twenty four uh, campaign. We will see, or it might be a Kamala Harris Joe, uh, Kamala Harris versus Donald Trump in twenty twenty four. We shall see, but that is that is uh, important to look forward to. Um, there's also been another huge development from when Biden is now looking to be the certified uh, winner of this election. Is that Biden is bringing a lot of the conventional wisdom. That is bringing that he's brought from past presidential eras, which is probably going to be his most dangerous part of his presidency, because with with hoping that Georgia is able to uh, come out red, which is looking kind of iffy right now, which is dangerous. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But with Biden hopefully having a divided Congress and only being able to have the, the White House to be able to do as he wishes, that's going to limit his ability to do things. But the president has a lot of power when it comes to foreign policy, and that's where Biden is going to be able to cause the most damage. Biden's damage is really going to come in the form of how he treats foreign policy because for the longest time, pretty much until Trump came along, they have had what's called the conventional wisdom of foreign policy. And basically what that is, it's a bunch of intellectuals, so-called intellectuals, who have all these ideas on certain ways that the world works. And almost all of them are completely wrong. For example, let's take, let's take the Middle East. They're, they're wrong all the time in the Middle East. One of the biggest lies that have been told in the conventional wisdom era is that the only way that we will get peace in the Middle East is if Israel concedes like everything. If Israel pretty much waves the white flag and it's Israel that's the problem, if Israel and Palestine make peace, if Israel just gives Palestine whatever they want, they will be peaceful. Now, that has shown time and time again to be false because Israel has always accepted peace agreements. Israel has always uh, conceded to whoever is trying to be authoritative to them, but they are not going to just allow themselves to be destroyed. Now, Donald Trump proved this to be true when he actually successfully— is is in the process currently with his with his son-in-law jared kushner is currently in the middle east making peace deals revolutionary peace deals in the middle east which have never been seen before and that's without a, without conceding to the palestinian government which is really just a fake government i mean palestinian government pretty much has as much authority as the wakandan government which is completely fictional at this point but nonetheless the, the conventional wisdom on foreign policy in the Middle East is completely wrong. The Iran deal was a horrible policy where we basically just sent f- planes full of money, literally planes full of money. And they were, the idea was, hey, if we just help them, if we just if we become allies with these people, then they're going to be on our side and they won't be violent. Yeah, that turned out to be false. And they didn't even listen to any of the Iran deal, their part of the deal at all. They have 12 times the amount of nuclear stockpile or uranium stockpile that they're allowed to have. So it it's a complete failure. And on China, and I don't agree with everything uh, Trump did on China, but the whole idea was that if we let China become a first world country, if we just, we just back off and let them do their thing, they'll de-radicalize. They'll become a civilized country. But that's not how this works. Once you have a deep abiding authoritative uh, culture in that government, you can't just let that go and now what china has become is a bigger and bigger and bigger threat until trump was out actually able to put them somewhat in their place the last piece of conventional wisdom that we're going to discuss is the paris climate accords which is supposed to be the be-all end-all to all of the climate change problems that we have today now i'm not one of the people on the right that actually just says that climate change is a hoax global warming is a hoax i'm not one of those people i do think that it is broadly over-exaggerated in, in many senses, but I'm definitely a person that is concerned about the environment. I care about the environment. I'm from Alaska. I love the environment. I want to make sure it stays healthy, clean, all of that. But the Paris Climate Accords, first of all, even if we listen to all those policies, they don't do anything. Their, their, their best projected results say that in 100 years, we will reduce the global average temperature by one degree Celsius. That is not a huge substantial measurement considering the amount of cost of the Paris Climate Accords. And the Paris Climate Accords aren't anything but a written promise. It doesn't actually have any legislative power. Everyone freaked out at Trump when he actually backed out of it, but that didn't actually practically do anything at all. It had no legislative authoritative power at all. So if you actually want the Paris Climate Accords to do something, in order for that to happen, you actually have to have some level of legislation behind it. Congress would basically have to write the Paris Climate Accords into law, and then things would happen. But until that happens, nothing's happening. And so the idea that the Paris Climate Accords is just going to fix everything is ridiculous. If you truly want to help climate change, there's many ways to do it. None of them are in the Paris Climate Accords. First of all, China and India are our biggest violators of of climate, so of damaging our climate and polluting. So those are the first perpetrators that we need to address. But more importantly than anything, the free market actually does climate change better than everybody because they actually innovate technologies that are able to actually reduce their carbon footprint. Because now in America, our culture is very much on the side of climate, on the side of the environment. And so we are investing in technologies such as electric cars and developing different electrical and uh, in- energy efficient mechanisms that allow us to do our day-to-day activities in a more efficient and a more environmentally friendly way and developing technologies that just make life more doable while leaving less of an impact on the climate. Not only that, geoengineering is a huge industry right now that is a, that has a lot of skeptical uh, critiques on it right now, but that's important. Geoengineering is basically this idea that humans can develop technologies that will actually help take out harmful things out of the uh, out of the air and help put things into the air that are going to help correct certain um, certain problems that the climate is facing. All of these are really really helpful, and none of them none of them have to do with a global government at all. So, moving on from that, the media has praised Joe Biden every turn on everything. I was I expected the media to do this. I wasn't really surprised. I was a little surprised at how fast it happened and how apparent it's happening, because the the coverage on Biden and Trump are night and day, and it's not it has anything to do with either of their actions. For example, there was this wonderful dog piece in the uh, in in the news this week, which basically was this. Uh, what did she call herself a dog psychic and she basically claimed that she was speaking to joe biden's dogs i'm not kidding and she was talking to joe biden's dogs and that their dogs were telling her her all about joe biden and how great he was and how he was worried about trump not conceding the election and it was just a bunch of bullcrap i i don't know how that passed as news at all But it was because that is the kind of la-la land that we live in when there's a Democratic president. That's exactly how it was under Obama, and that's how it's going to be under Biden. And what's also really funny to see is the hypocrisy come out again because Biden is now being cheered on as, look, the economy is doing great. That's because Biden won the election, which is really funny to me because when Trump won the election in 2016, uh, I remember everyone on the left going, well, he was just handed a great election or a great economy from Obama. It wasn't really Trump that did anything. Obama just handed him this amazing economy and then Trump ruined it. That's been the narrative. But now that Biden is being, quote unquote, handed this, he's not being handed this economy. No, no, no. Biden's not even in office yet. And somehow he's responsible for all of the economic progress we've made in the last month, which is Absurd. I'm the only. I feel like I'm one of the only people that's been consistent on this. I don't give Trump credit for for uh, for the economy, and I don't give Obama credit as much credit for hurting the economy, other than the fact that one got out of the way of the economy and one got in the way of the economy. The economy does just fine on its own. You just have to let it go. Biden has also been able to pick a lot of his new cabinet members, which has created a lot of praise from the media as they go, "Oh, wonderful, Joe Biden. He's he's picking all these intersectionality." picks he's picking an all-woman media team and it's just a communications team and it's just amazing wonderful how he's been um, he's just the best president in the world all because he picked women to be on a communications team and i think there's uh, uh, a latina guy elite latino guy in one of his cabinet picks which is funny because no one even talked about when when trump had any of these intersectionality picks in his cabinet for the first time in American history. No one cared. But now that Biden's doing some things that are not really unique, but kind of unique, everyone's losing their minds over it. Um, so that's that's fantastic to see. Moving on to other things other than the election for once. COVID, which is everything other than, er, other than the election, the only other thing that everyone is talking about. COVID relief bill looks a lot more promising, thanks to Nancy Pelosi finally agreeing, conveniently, to compromise. Now, if you remember, we've released the COVID relief bill already. It was massive. Republicans compromised a ton and pretty much put aside all of their their, will, their uh, desire to limit the amount of spending in government. And they put it aside because they knew the American people needed money badly. So they passed a massive relief bill and then it helped the economy. But now it's running out. And so we needed another one. And a lot of businesses were hurting. And we need another relief bill. And so the Democrats and Republicans were talking about it. And the Republicans were compromising and compromising and compromising. And Nancy Pelosi said, no, I don't want to compromise. I'm not willing to compromise at all. And Republicans were called conspiracy theorists because they suggested that the reason Nancy Pelosi wasn't willing to compromise was because she wanted to wait until after the election. Because she knew as long as COVID hurt the economy, Donald Trump's chances of winning the election dwindled. And look at what Nancy Pelosi said this week. It was that Nancy Pelosi said that she is now willing to compromise now that there is Biden in the president is is on track to win the presidency and that there's a vaccine. Now she's willing to compromise. But we all know it was just political. No one's surprised by this, but we're going to pretend like we were surprised by this. Anyway, more COVID hypocrisy from various governors and mayors throughout the country who have decided that the rules that they set don't apply to them. Uh, prime examples of this, Phil Murphy and Gavin Newsom have both put in lockdown restrictions and, and uh, regulated the amount of, of guests you're allowed to have over for Thanksgiving or if you're allowed to go out to dinner with your family. That's not allowed unless you're one of the elite members of society, then it's Okay. Many of them have been caught having massive Thanksgiving dinners with their families and going out in public and eating in these fancy diners, which are supposedly supposed to be locked down. But I guess if you're Gavin Newsom, that doesn't apply to you. So that's wonderful to see. A lot, of, a lot has actually happened because of all these different restrictions, including businesses are trying to get crafty with it. They're trying to figure out ways where they can actually still support their businesses so they don't go bankrupt. And uh, churches are finding different legal ways to try to stay open. For example, in California, they actually had a, a law that suggested that strip clubs were essential businesses but not churches. So one church in California had a wonderful idea that they were just gonna turn their church into a strip club. So what did they do? They handed one guy in the in the front row a bunch of dollar bills and he was just supposed to casually throw them on stage and the, the pastor, while he's preaching, he just takes off his tie. And so legally, he's now running a strip club and it's completely essential. Good thing he wasn't actually like preaching the word of God or anything because that would have been an abomination. It would have been horrible. COVID massive spreader. Apparently that doesn't happen at strip clubs. Apparently strippers are immune to COVID-19 and all of their audiences are as well. But churches, that's a huge spreader of COVID-19. So that can't be allowed. But businesses are and churches are being are being tricky with it. Uh, one of the cases that's been fantastic for small businesses and churches uh, recently was a supreme court case that came out that went 5-4 for republicans uh justice roberts went with the liberals of course because he always does and he is a horrible horrible judge but basically this case was pretty straightforward essentially the uh the, the case was that places in new york had restrictions that said that some businesses were essential but churches were not so they were closing churches and keeping businesses open and basically the, court, the 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 argument was that, okay, you can close churches and businesses and you can keep them both open, but you can't do both. You can't have tr- businesses open and churches closed because that's on anti-constitutional or non-constitutional. So the Supreme Court uh, agreed this should have been a 9-0 decision. It shouldn't have been controversial at all. But, of course, the partisans on the left and Justice Roberts, who's trying so hard to try to be – nonpartisan, I guess. I don't know what his theory is. It's it's really silly to me that he can't just look at a case like that and suggest, okay, yeah, you can't close businesses and churches. You can you can close them at the same time, you can open them at the same time, but you can't distinguish between your policies and say one's essential and one's not. It's not the government's job to tell you your business is essential and your church is not essential. That's ridiculous. One of the greatest things that's coming out of the last month is all the vaccine news However, there is a little rain cloud on the horizon with the vaccines. Other than the fact that they are they are looking fantastic in terms of their early data that has come out, they have suggested that their vaccines are 90 plus percent effective, some are 95 plus percent effective in actually uh, reducing your your symptoms and 100% effective in just making your symptoms more manageable. Um, so that's, that's really good news, however, One of the things that is is dangerous is that actually the chairman of of Pfizer actually came out and said that he's not sure if the vaccine will keep somebody who has the vaccine from spreading the disease to somebody else. So basically, I get the vaccine. I am now even at less risk of dying from COVID. I was already low at risk, but I'm I'm even less risk of dying from COVID or having significant, uh, significant symptoms. But one of the bad things about it is I might still have the capability of spreading it to others. The reason this is this is bad is because one of the the only way, as I've talked about before, the only way to actually end coronavirus, uh, end this the pandemic, is to reach herd immunity. And if this actually doesn't stop from you from spreading it to somebody, then herd immunity is going to be much harder to achieve because instead of having only like say sixty percent of the population getting the the vaccine so that they are not only immune to the disease but they are also unable to spread it. Now you will, you're going to have to reach a much higher percentage so that uh, people that get it can still do okay. So that's that's one of the rain clouds. It's still great. I'm really glad that we're getting this vaccine. It looks like we're going to have a lot of them deployed uh, a little bit later this week or uh, into December. So that's really fantastic news. But it looks like a herd immunity is going to be a little bit harder to reach. With the vaccine method, Uh, one of the the greatest, one of the coolest things that's happened this week too is that house the the house has passed a decriminalization of marijuana bill, um, which if it goes all the way through and Trump signs it, would be fantastic uh, for people who think that uh, drugs should be legalized. At least drugs like marijuana should be legalized. So once that goes at the federal level, it'll. It usually kind of cascades into a uh, states are more prone to do it because right now it's legal at the federal level and then some states have legalized it, but it looks like it's going to go towards more towards the legal side, which people like me are a big fan of because um, even though I don't really consume marijuana at all, I still think that it's important not to decriminalize uh, drugs that don't actually have a significant impact on others. For example, marijuana doesn't really cause violence. It causes significantly less violence than than, uh, alcohol does. And alcohol is legal. So why shouldn't marijuana be legal? But that's neither here nor there. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about today is something that has really, really been frustrating to me. And that happened early last week. And it was the George Floyd Holocaust Museum. So basically what happened was they have the Holocaust Museum, right? And it's to memorialize the tragic deaths of a bunch, a bunch of people and Jews that were killed, right? And it's terrible. Um, but they decided to put a George Floyd exhibit within that uh, Holocaust museum, which I think is terrible. Because Not because I don't think George Floyd's uh, was tragic. I think it was. I think it was a tragic incident. But to compare it to the Holocaust is awful. And it, it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have been a comparison at all. And it's it's pretty sad to see that happen. Anyway, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Please tune in later this week for the the second episode of Why Christ. And next week we'll have new episodes of Bias Free News and the Levi Erickson Show. Thank you so much for joining in. I am Levi Erickson and this is the Levi Erickson Show. like the show please like subscribe and share with your friends also please check out our other leviticus studios productions including the Debunk series bias-free news and why christ the levi erickson show is produced by wyatt winfield and peyton hovilla music by river erickson and andrew montgomery